Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as always. Uh, super excited to be here for another episode. Today's episode is going to be a Q&A and it's a special type of Q&A because I'm going to run through you the, the, the first in a series here of client questions that I'm getting. So um, if you listen to the podcast regularly or if you follow me on social media, if you're on my newsletter, anything like that, uh, you probably know that I just opened up coaching applications, right? So I uh, did a sale on coaching and welcomed a bunch of new people into my one-on-one -on -one online fitness coaching program, which I'm super excited about. And if you're listening and that's you, uh, I'm stoked that you're here. And uh, I've really had a blast over the last couple of weeks uh, building out new programs and getting people started uh, working towards their goals here in 2023. But um, if you have uh, followed me along, you, you know that, right? And um, so given that that's the case, normally when um, anybody starts up where they're a new client and we get started on a lot of new habits, a lot of new routines, you know, um, there's a lot of questions that come up. And uh, if you're watching this video, on, the video of this podcast on YouTube, you can probably see above my right shoulder, there's a whiteboard and you probably can't read uh, all of the marker ink there that's in red, all the things that I wrote down, but I've just been tracking a list of quite a few questions that I got that I think are really interesting and really good ones to dive into on the podcast here. So uh, for the next few weeks, I think we're probably going to answer a lot of client questions that I've been getting because uh, if my clients are asking them, you may be wondering them too, and perhaps this could be beneficial for us to break it all down here uh, and have it on the podcast so you can come back and reference it whenever you're wondering about these certain topics. So uh, let me give you an overview of the questions that we're going to answer on today's episode, and then we'll get into all of it. So question number one, should you eat more calories on the days you work out and then less on the days you don't, right? And I think the theory is if you're working out, you're burning more calories, so should you eat more then? And then when you're not working out, you're not burning calories, so should you eat less? We'll talk about that. Question number two, what time of day should you stop eating to lose weight? Another really common question, right? Like, you know, should you stop at a certain time before you go to bed? Because, um, you know, if you eat right before bed, is that going to turn into more body fat? We'll talk about that. Question number three, what day should you log your food if you eat in the early morning hours? So this is a really interesting one, gets into the details of, okay, if you're eating after midnight and you have a daily calorie goal that you're trying to stay within or trying to hit, um, does that food get logged for the previous day or does it get logged for the next day? And how do you balance all that? Really interesting question. So we'll dive into that. Uh, question number four, how should I track foods with a lot of ingredients or foods that I don't personally prepare, uh, which is very common. I get questions about this all the time because you know, we're not always going to be 100% in control of every single calorie that goes in your mouth, right? So then we need to find some solutions to make sure that you're still able to track things uh, as accurately or as accurately as you possibly can. Uh, and then question number five, what foods are good to always have around the house? So things that, you know, you can have in the pantry, in the fridge, in the freezer uh, that are good to pull from and can typically always support your goals. We're going to talk a lot about those as well. So I hope you're excited for this one. I know I am. And, um, you know, before we do mentioned it just a couple minutes ago, but I'm an online fitness coach, right? So um, if you're not on my newsletter yet, there's going to be a link to that in the show notes for today's episode. I would highly encourage that you get on my mailing list um, because it's 
my mailing list knows everything first. That's where I go first for anything that's going on with coaching, um, whether it's new content like this, or I, I publish a podcast, I write a new article. Uh, any other resources or information uh, that I have to pass along, they always go to my newsletter list first, okay? So you're going to want to make sure that you're on my newsletter if you're not already. And like I said, the link to the mailing list is is in the uh, show notes here. Um, and I'll also let people know when I'm going to be opening coaching applications back up. So if that's something you may be interested in in the future, uh, make sure Again, you're on the mailing list. <laughs> and the last thing I would say, and I don't mention this one enough, but um, obviously, you know, whatever platform you're listening on, um, I appreciate that you're listening there. And if you can leave any type of rating or review, uh, leave some positive feedback on the podcast, that helps it get in front of more people. And that's the goal here with the podcast. Um, I don't make any money off of this podcast or anything like that. It's not sponsored or, or anything, but um you know, when you leave a rating or review, it helps get more people, uh, you know, the opportunity to find this podcast. And then more people get the opportunity to learn the evidence-based fundamental principles of how to achieve your goals with fitness and nutrition. And um, that's what we're trying to achieve here. That's my goal. So if you can do that, I would really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, with that, let's dive into the first question, which once again is, should you eat more calories on the days you work out? and less calories on the days you don't. So super logical reasoning there, right? If you're going to be working out some days of the week and other days you're not, let's say, you know, in a seven-day week, you are going to work out four times. On those four days, should you eat more calories because theoretically you're burning more calories in the gym? Uh, And then on the days that you're not working out, should you not do that? Should you eat less? Um, It's... A really good question, and the answer, as so many things in fitness ends up being, is uh, it kind of depends. I guess, first and foremost, it probably depends on your goal, Um, and then secondarily, it probably depends on your experience level. So, you know, if your goal is to lose weight, um, I or if your goal is to build muscle, you know, I, I typically lean towards just eating the same amount of calories every day because for most people that tends to be you know that tends to be the the easiest to manage the most straightforward and takes a lot of guesswork out of each and every day um it makes it less complicated for you to know what you're supposed to eat and when and how to manage things um so i'm a big fan of of not doing that having high days and low days just for the sake of simplicity and that would apply to most beginners too right regardless of your goal um if you're new to being on a program where you're trying to lose weight or trying to build muscle and you're tracking your nutrition for the first time, I wouldn't throw you to the wolves and say, okay, well, in addition to learning all this stuff about tracking, I want you to eat this many calories on Monday, this many on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like it it undulates and varies every single day. That's very complicated. So I tend to do just a straight calorie number across the week based on goals. So if you are trying to lose weight, I'll give you a number every day that should get you in a calorie deficit for the week. And if you are trying to build muscle, we'll get you in a moderate calorie surplus that, you know, will have you fueling your body with what your body needs. You'll, you will be in a position to gain weight, but not so much weight that you'll pack on a ton of excess body fat. Um, now I would say if you're more experienced, 
with this stuff, whether it be training or tracking nutrition or both, you could potentially go the route of eating a little bit more on the days you work out, eating a little bit less on the days you don't. But like, I want to be clear about something because I think where this comes from is from the thought process of, oh, I'm going into the gym and burning like six, seven, eight hundred calories. So that means like I should be eating way, way more on those days that I work out. And I hate to break it to you, but you're not burning that many calories when you work out unless you're doing like high intensity interval training for a half hour or 45 minutes or an hour uh, every day constantly, you're not burning that many calories. And the thing about fitness is, you know, especially like with cardio, your body gets more efficient at it. And it, and it does to, to an extent get more efficient at lifting where, um, you know, the when you get started with a program, the amount of calories that you burn, um, your body's going to figure out ways to get more efficient at doing those exercises and doing those workouts and doing those movement patterns so that it doesn't have to burn as many calories when you're doing those things. So like if you start going for a one mile walk every day, uh, you're going to burn a bunch of calories up front, but the longer and more consistently you are with doing that one mile walk, your body's going to get more efficient at it and you're actually going to burn fewer calories by doing that same workout. So you'll have to push it and do more work to try and burn the same amount of calories. And all of this comes down to like, it's really a complicated process to try and balance the amount of calories that you're burning with the amount of calories that you should be eating and figuring out how all of that comes together to set your nutrition up on a day-to-day basis. Um, It's impossible to do that. You don't know how many calories you're burning. You never will know. Your watch could tell you something. The cardio machine could tell you something. Um, you could plug in you know, information into a cal- calorie calculator online, and that could tell you something. But like at the end of the day, um, we are never going to be able to get a accurate gauge on how many calories you're burning in your workouts. So it makes it complicated to try and balance those higher days and those lower days if you're trying to be precise about things, which again is why I like to just fall back on a single daily um, number for you to, to have on a regular basis because it's simple. It's simple and it's effective if you're consistent with it and with your if you're accurate with it in terms of how many calories that you're eating each and every day. Um, so you know, I think more than anything, I lean towards not trying to do that, having higher days and having lower days. But I will say, you know, with all that said, if if um, well, let me put it this way. I'm not a fan of doing higher days and lower days based on whether or not you're working out. I am, though, a fan of having some higher and lower days throughout the week just to build in some more flexibility. Uh, So oftentimes what that looks like, and and I do do this with my clients um, relatively regularly, and, and some clients I have, I'm about to talk about calorie cycling. Some clients I have do calorie cycling Consistently, it's just what that's how their nutrition plan is set up. That's a small percentage. A larger percentage of the people I work with, you know, we will look at the week ahead and talk about what do you have coming up, and somebody has a wedding coming up, or like, um, you know, they're going to uh, uh, on a football road trip or something like that, and. We want to structure things so that they're able to go to that event or have fun for that weekend and have a lot of flexibility to work with so they don't have to stress and be super meticulous and worried about every calorie that's going into their mouth when they should be having a good time, right? So we will use calorie cycling a lot in that way, 
but I, 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 I don't often have people eat more or less based on whether or not they're exercising that day. That, that just is complicated. It kind of like reinstills to me the thought process of like, well, we should count calories burned. And, and I don't think that's a good uh, way to approach fitness and food. Um, I think, you know, it really is probably most appropriate for people who are more advanced with training and nutrition um, where you can more accurately say like, okay, well, I've been training consistently for five years, six, seven, eight, ten years. Um, this is how my body tends to react to training. Um, this is, you know, okay, I've been eating a certain way for that same amount of time and I've seen my body respond in these different ways. So I know if I do this with my nutrition, this is how my body responds. Like if you're much more advanced and have a lot of the details with all these things, then I think you, you probably can, and, and maybe even you, you should, um, balance things out based on the days that you train and the days that you don't. But at the, at the end of it, I think that that is such a, that's a very small percentage of people who are pursuing something with fitness and nutrition. Um, so I think for the vast majority of people find a way to get into a calorie deficit or maintenance or a calorie surplus based on, you know, what your goal is, um, and then ride that out. This is all about moderation. I, I, I don't think anybody should push it to extreme. So if you're trying to lose weight and you want to get in a calorie deficit, you shouldn't be eating as few calories as you possibly can. Um, if you try to build muscle, you shouldn't be doing like the hero diet and, and eating everything in sight every single day. Neither of those two options are going to be best for you in terms of getting the body composition that you want. Um, so be moderate with it, a moderate calorie deficit, moderate calorie surplus, ride that out every single day and see how your body responds. And I think that's the most simple, straightforward and still effective way to approach this type of stuff. Question number two, what time of day should you stop eating to lose weight? Uh, this question goes back to kind of like an age old theory that if you are eating too close to bedtime, that the calories that you eat are essentially just going to sit in your system. And since you're not moving around, you're not burning any calories, you're not expending any energy, you're not working out, you're just laying in bed asleep, those calories are going to be stored as body fat. That is a, a theory and, and quite honestly a myth. It's not true, but it's something that has permeated the fitness industry and um, you know people's impressions and whatnot of how weight gain and weight loss works and when you should time the food that you're going to eat. Um, so what time of day should you stop eating to lose weight? It doesn't matter to, to, to be honest with you. And, and again, like talked about simplicity in the first question, let's talk about simplicity again. If you are trying to lose weight, you need to be in a calorie deficit, which means you need to be eating fewer calories from food than your body burns each day. Um, that puts you in negative energy balance. And that means your body has to, since it's not getting all of the calories that it needs from the food that you eat, it has to search within the body for some source of energy that it can utilize to perform all of the daily tasks that you need to do. And that goes for everything, right? From, you know, mentally, uh, cognition, what you have to do, how you to stay focused and process things every day, uh, physically walking around, doing a workout, anything like that. Um, even like fidgeting, right. And the, any little movements that all of them count. Um, and then like the function of your organs. So everything that's happening internally in your body, your body burns calories to do that. Um, so you, you need the calories coming in to be less than that total number of calories that your body burns. Um, and 
so when that happens, your body typically utilizes fat tissue or some combination of fat and muscle tissue uh, to burn for energy to make up that excess or that, that, uh, excuse me, that deficit in calories. And so when that happens, right, if you're oxidizing fat tissue or or muscle tissue, um, that's how that fat tissue or muscle tissue goes away. And then that's how you burn. Hopefully you're burning primarily body fat. You're losing weight. You're seeing your body composition improve. So if you are consistently on a day to day to day basis in a calorie deficit, it doesn't matter what time of day that you eat as long as your calories are controlled. So if you need to eat 2000 calories or less a day to be in a calorie deficit and lose body fat, you could eat 50%, 75%. You could eat all of those calories if you wanted to. It would be pretty uncomfortable. Wouldn't recommend it. You'd be dealing with some GI issues, but if you could eat all those calories right before bed if you wanted to. And, uh, you know, as long as you're tracking them accurately and you truly are at 2,000 or below, it doesn't matter that all of those calories come right before bed. Um, Realistically, more of what we're typically talking about is you have regular three meals throughout the day. Maybe have a snack here and there. And then at night, you're eating some type of late night snack that you're worried about sitting in your system and turning into body fat. The thing about that late night snack that often gets people, and I think this is why this concept of eating too late at night or eating before bed makes you gain weight, that snack for a lot of people tends to be you know, that sweet, savory combination of fats and carbohydrates that's really calorie dense, it's really high calorie. And so you're ending the day with a snack that takes you from being in a calorie deficit to putting you into a calorie surplus. So let's go back to that 2000 calorie example. If you get to the end of the day and you've eaten 1800 calories and you think, okay, I have 200 calories left, I'm gonna have a snack and you eat a 500 calorie snack, well, then you just went from a 200 calorie deficit to a 300 calorie surplus by adding 500 calories to your diet. So the time of day doesn't eat, the time of day you eat doesn't matter as much uh, as controlling your daily calories and sticking to that number that's going to get you in a calorie deficit. Um, And then obviously, you know, if you want to have a late night snack, be mindful of the calories that you're eating be mindful of the types of foods that you're eating and try to set yourself up with maybe something that's sweet or savory or you know hits the taste buds with what you're looking for that is calorie controlled. Um, and there are so many options. I'm not going to try and run through all of those. I'll just tell you like one of my favorite late night snacks before bed is Greek yogurt because it's sweet. It's high protein. I have uh, two. What, which, what, what type do I use? I forget the brand. Um, I forget the brand of, of Greek yogurt that we buy. I get it at Costco. I have two of the little tubs of it uh, at night, and it ends up being, I think, two, a little over 200 calories and uh, tw- 20 to 25 grams of protein. It's an awesome late-night snack. So um, that's what I think is most important to answer this question. You, you don't need to worry about the timing of the calories. You need to worry about the overall calories every day and making sure that you truly are keeping those in control with what you need to do to get your diet to line up with your goal of losing weight and be in a calorie deficit. Question number three, what day should you log your food for if you eat early in the morning hours, the wee morning hours? So we're talking about like Okay, you're eating food throughout the day. It's a normal day. And then, you know, maybe you're a night owl and so you're staying up past midnight and maybe your late night snack occurs 
at like midnight or 1 a.m. and then you go to bed at 2 a.m. How do you balance that? Where does that food get plugged in? If you're tracking in MyFitnessPal or whatever, what day does that, do those calories apply to? If, if it's after midnight and it's 1 a.m. and you eat something, uh, oh, let's actually put specific days to it. So if the day is Friday and you've been eating food throughout the day and then after midnight, we're now we're in Saturday at 1 a.m., technically the wee early morning hours of Saturday morning, you have a late night snack before you go to bed and you go to bed at 2 do those calories get applied to Saturday? And now for the rest of Saturday, you have to have, I don't know, 200, 300 less calories to work from because you had that 1 a.m. snack or does that 1 a.m. snack apply to Friday, the day before, and you have to balance out that day to get that snack to fit? It's a really interesting question and, and I love that I got this one because it's somebody that's focusing on the details already, which is great. Um, and what the recommendation that I gave was, let's treat your daily calories between waking up and going to bed. So this person that asked the question, um, their work hours are a little bit non-traditional, so they, they start and end work later in the day, which means uh, this person goes to bed around 2 a.m. So what I told them was, let's just treat each day, okay? If, if, if the day is Friday, we'll go with that again. If the day is Friday and you wake up at 11 a.m. and then you go to bed at 2 a.m., we're going to consider 2 a.m. the end of the day right? And so all of your calories for that day have to fit. Um, this again, so we've talked a lot about simplicity already. This goes back to trying to make things as simple as possible again, because we could technically put those calories for Saturday morning and then have you balance the rest of the stuff out for Saturday, but then understand at the end of that Saturday, then you're going to have calories that are going to the next day. It's just, that's just complicated. And I think we can really simplify things because once again, it doesn't matter what time of day you eat. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, necessarily even the foods that you eat, the, the, like the all of these details do not matter as much as controlling your daily calories. And so we just need to figure out get and get you in a routine where we understand what the daily what, what the day is and then your calories are going to apply to that day so if this is something that you've run into um, you know even if you don't have that work situation but on the weekends you go out and maybe you eat at the end of the you, the the night uh, and that ends up being at like midnight or one or two or three <laughs> um, that's that to me is still the previous day because you haven't gone to bed yet. So when you're logging your calories, it's from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, that is your day. And you have to make that day, regardless of where it starts and ends, fit within the nutritional guidelines that you have. How many calories you gotta eat, how much protein, anything that you've got set up for yourself, it's gonna be from wake up to going to bed. Okay, question number four, how should I track foods with a lot of ingredients or foods that I don't personally prepare. Really, really common situation that a lot of people run into because, I mean, you like to go out and eat sometimes, right? Uh, or maybe you're at work and somebody brings in food and you didn't prepare it. You know the food that it is, but you don't know how to track it. Or you go out to dinner. Obviously, when you go out to dinner, like maybe you're at a local restaurant, their menu isn't in my fitness pal. How do you track it? So let's let's talk about this whole situation. And this whole situation comes down to the concept of estimating. Okay. Um, when you're tracking your diet to lose weight, to gain weight, whatever, maintain your weight, whatever the goal ends up being, um, 
you're going to have situations where you're going to have to estimate uh, because it is going to be impossible unless you never leave the house and you never and you only eat things that you personally have prepared, which I don't think describes anybody really. Um, you're going to have to understand that there are going to be these situations, and that's okay. And we just need to find ways to estimate and get close to what you're supposed to be eating. Okay. Uh, estimating is always going to be better than not tracking at all. Let's say that straight up at the front here, because, you know, I have run into situations in the past where a client, you know, goes, ends up in a situation that we weren't expecting. Uh, he or she just ends up kind of saying like, well, I don't know how to track this, so I'm not going to try tracking at all. And then what we find is that since the day goes completely untracked or since that meal goes completely untracked, things really can spin off the rails because then you're not keeping your goals top of mind. You're not <clears throat> thinking about or visualizing what the calorie count or the, the macros look like for the meal that you're having. Um, and since it's not there in front of you, it, it like I said, spins out of control. The, 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 the train goes off the track, so to speak. So estimating is always going to be better than not tracking at all because even if what you track isn't 100% accurate, it'll still probably be close if you give it an honest effort. And, and when we're estimating, if you're eating out, something like that, that's what we're going for. We're we're going for the best you can do, as accurate as you possibly can. We're not going for quote unquote perfect because that's not possible. Even if you know like you got a five ounce steak and had a cup of rice and a cup of broccoli at the meal that you got out at the restaurant, those are things that are super easy to track, right? Those are all one ingredient foods that are not complicated, but you don't know how much butter was added to the food that you got. You don't know the cooking oils that the chef used to prepare the food. So there's even hidden calories in there that you don't know about. So you're never gonna get it 100% accurate. That's okay. We're not aiming for perfect. We're aiming for as accurate as you possibly can. And I have two main principles that I share with my clients that tend to work out pretty well. So let's dive into these principles of estimating to answer this question, which is how to track foods with either with a lot of ingredients or foods that you don't personally prepare. So number one, if you can't, when you go into MyFitnessPal and you're, you know, tracking one of these items, you want to try and find the exact thing that you're eating. If you cannot find the exact item in the food database, look for something simpler. Um, excuse, excuse me, look for something similar. Um, and I don't know why I always go with, uh, you know, with this a lie. I know why I always go with this comparison and it's because I went to this place all the time in college. <laughs> the example I always use is like, if you have a homemade chocolate chip cookie, or if you get like a dessert, you know, get a cookie at a restaurant or something like that. Um, you're not going to be able to log or know exactly how many calories are in that chocolate chip cookie. So you'd go into the app and try and find one that is going to be similar to that and then log that instead. And the one I always go with is Subway because I don't know if you've ever been to Subway, but their chocolate chip cookies are fire. And if you haven't gone there to get them, don't go to Subway for subs. Go there for their cookies because they're insane. I got them all the time. Um, that's what I would do, right? So I would go in there, pick that item, plug it in. And you know what? Is it going to be 100% accurate? No, but it will, will it probably be close? 
Yeah, and that, again, is what we're aiming for. And this applies to any type of food. Um, So, you know, if you go somewhere and you get... Um, I don't know, some type of like pasta dinner, or if you go out and you get Chinese food or something like like you can go into my fitness pal or any app that you use to track your nutrition and look up that dish. And if your restaurant doesn't come up, but other restaurants do, you can get a feel by looking at all of the options there for that dish that you're eating of, oh, okay, this dish at this restaurant isn't in there, but the same dish is in there for seven different restaurants. And, oh, okay, they all look like it's not going to be somewhere between 500 and 700 calories. So, okay, we're, we got a good ballpark here. Now I'm getting a better idea of what the calorie content of what I'm about to eat is. Again, it's not going to be 100% accurate, but that's close. And that takes us to number two. When in doubt, overestimate the calories that you're eating. So to go back to that example I just explained, if you have those five, six, seven options that are appearing and they seem to be between 500 and 700 calories, I want you to choose one of the ones on the higher end of that range. Because at the very, and that applies to any goal, right? At the very least, that means you're keeping your calories as controlled as you possibly can. Again, you're choosing an item that's similar, Choose the one with a higher calorie count. It's going to make sure you're not potentially under-reporting your calories. And it tends to, for anybody with any goal, work out the best. Because even if you're trying to build muscle, like, you know, if you choose something and it ends up being 100 calories off or something like that, so if that means then you under ate 100 calories, that's not that big of a deal, you know? And it's better than, you know, under-reporting and then that thing ended up being several hundred calories more and then like, okay, you really overate for the day. So always, when in doubt, overestimate the calories on the thing that you track. And if you combine those two principles I just mentioned, you should be perfectly fine. That's the strategy I tend to go with. Um, Now, the last thing I'll say is like, there was this element of the question where it's tracking foods with a lot of ingredients. I will say, if you are preparing the food, then you have the ability to track all those ingredients. And you should, right? You 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 should. Um, if you're serious about your goal and, and you really want to make things accurate, you should track all the ingredients. I mean, if you're making something from a recipe and all the things are listed out for you, it's as simple as like, you don't even have to do it while you're doing it, it, it while you're cooking, because it's in the recipe. So just log it later because it's all written out in that recipe for you. Um, it, it being a lot of work is not an excuse to not do it. It shouldn't be. So if you are preparing something that has a lot of ingredients, you should still track those ingredients because you prepared it and you know the ingredients and the amounts of them that you use. That's easy. It just takes a little bit of time. Um, but otherwise, for foods that you don't personally prepare, those principles and strategies that I just walked you through should work the vast majority of the time. All right, last question of the episode. Question number five, what foods are good to always have around the house? Um, This is a common one I get when people start because I think, you know, when I work with folks, I make it very clear up front that like, I'm not writing you a meal plan. Uh, That's not even something that online coaches are technically supposed to do, even though (laughs) a lot of them uh, do that. Uh, So, You know, I make it very clear up front that, like, I'm not going to give you a list of foods that you cannot eat. I'm not going to give you a list of foods that you have to eat. I want us to work together to help you build a diet that fits within nutritional goals that we set for you. Um, Because that's going to make it more sustainable if you take ownership of it, if you're building your diet yourself. 
It's a much better way to go about this. Um, now, with that said, I I have actually just recently created a resource um, that outlines a lot of foods that fit into different categories of, okay, these foods have protein, these foods have carbs, these foods are primarily fats, and then other foods that are somewhere in between. And I'm going to plug my mailing list one more time because I'm actually going to be sending this out to my mailing list very soon. I just finished this resource. Um, and so I want to walk you through some of the foods that are primarily protein, primarily carb, primarily fat. And then if you want to get the foods that are combinations of both, and in reality, most of the food that you eat or the meals that you have are going to be a combination of all three macronutrients. So if you want to get this and be able to reference this, like I said, make sure you're on my mailing list. But let's run through some of the foods. And these are ones that I love to have around the house all the time. So number one is chicken breast, just straight up chicken breasts. You can get them at any grocery store. It's great to have in the fridge. You can cook them up in bulk. You can freeze them and store them for longer if you need to. What I'll do is go to Costco and just buy several of like the huge racks of chicken and we put them in the freezer uh, and we kind of just plow through those uh, as we can or as we need to. Other protein sources, uh, turkey is great. Canned tuna, that's another one with good shelf life. Um, lean fishes, and you can get those fresh or frozen too. Uh, we uh, recently got some frozen cod, which, by the way, if you don't know about cod, cod is like only protein. It's very low calorie, very high protein. Um, that's great to have. Uh, shellfish, uh, we, that's not one we have around as much, but that's a primarily protein type of food. Um, egg whites or eggs, um, those are great. Uh, I think, you know, beef jerky is a great snack that's primarily pro, I mean, it's basically only protein. Um, and then protein powder supplements. I think it's always good to have some type of supplement around the house. Um, I always have uh, whey isolate protein at the house. I don't use it very much, but I have it just in case I need it. And I'll tend to, you know, maybe once or twice a week have scoop to a scoop and a half of that. So um, those are some good high protein foods to have. Um, carbs. Let's talk about the foods that are primarily carbs because these are good ones to have around too. Um, rice. Uh, again, back to Costco. I buy the huge bags of basmati rice. Always have those around. Once again, something that's good to cook in bulk. Um, and, uh, you know, you can store it for the shelf life on rice is insane. <laughs> so that's a good one. Um, bread is good, right? You can make low calorie, high protein foods that are filling and tasty uh, with sandwiches and stuff. Um, potatoes, that's another really good carb source. If Something that n nobody does, but you should because you'll figure out how filling it is, is try and eat ju like a, just a potato. Eat a whole potato without slathering it and butter and cheese and all kinds of toppings. Lightly salt it, lightly butter it. If you eat one potato, you're gonna feel full for the rest of the day, it's crazy. Um, oats are really good. Fruit, fruit is really good to always have around the house. Vegetables are really good to always have around the house. Um, you know, it really comes down to foods that are the basics. The basics are what you should have around the house uh, at all times. Have some lean proteins, have some nutritious carb sources. In terms of fats, um, I know I said I was going to run through that list, but as I'm looking at the list now, it's like more or less stuff that you cook your food in. There's not a lot of foods, like physical foods that you would pick up and eat uh, that's only fat. 
fat is normally going to come in combination with some type of protein, some type of carb, or a combination of all three. Um, but having the basics around, like I said, lean proteins, nutritious carb sources, fruits, vegetables, that's the stuff you should have around the house at all times. Um, and then you can kind of complement those and add to those based on the type of meal that you want to make. So those are foods that I think are good to always have around the house and uh, hopefully that was helpful. But uh, that's gonna wrap it up here. I hope you liked this episode. We got more coming uh, in terms of questions that my clients are asking me right now because they may be questions that you're wondering about too. So um, if you're not subscribed, make sure you do so. If you can leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, I hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you again soon.